Where my dogs at? That's right, Joe. Where are the dogs at? <laughs> you know, the dogs, the dogs are our listeners, aren't they? Yeah, we're back, guys. Um, thought we'd quickly do another podcast. Uh, training camp special. This is a training camp special. This is just not like the one with the Instagram post of the week, the bullshit buster. Um, this one is just plain bullshit. Yeah, this one is more of a training act one. If you're into triathlon Taran, then you might be in your Well, you will be in luck. If you're not into triathlon Taran, you're not a training act uh, turn off it's not gonna it's not gonna interest you so much indeed this one is going to get you some really really good lessons maybe <laughs> <laughs> you'll learn what not to do yeah yeah all right go on in i think first of all let's uh chat through what we're um i think we had a couple of questions like why are we going on a training camp right now in the middle of a winter with not much racing going on for us and I, um, I said to the guy because he commented this on my YouTube. I said, "Mate, like, have you have you tried training in the UK in the winter? It's absolutely grim. It's raining nearly every day. It's about two degrees. Um, that's exactly why we're going on a training camp." And it's true. It is sunny on Swift, but you're not getting the vitamin D. Not getting the vitamin D, and we know that a lot of the northern hemisphere is vitamin D deficient. So we're out here trying to search for it. Exactly, exactly. We're trying to find an extra percent, and that one is in vitamin D. So, and, and also, you want to build up for next year, don't you? It's not. I think like some people think you can do nothing over winter and then strap a turbo on just before the races start and away you go. It's like you got to you got to build that engine. You know, it's like you get a car, you take it to the tuning shop, and you tell them to to do it. You know, you got to. You, you got can't to, take a Renault to the tuning shop and tell them like, could you make that one six hundred and fifty horsepower? It's not going to work, is it? Well, if they did that straight away, you know, just strapped a big turbo on, it's going to have loads of lag in it. You know, it's just not going to. You put your foot down. It's you need take to play, a couple of seconds. Yeah, you need to play uh, replace the chassis you and all that. Up. Exactly. Um, anyway, another reason for me to go out to Spain is because I'm slowly want to do that that transit impediment. Everybody knows I'm really like whitish on skin. And if I would go out to Dubai in Feb or March or, or Spain in May, I would get such a bad sunburn that I would like gradually get into it. Like start a bit off in Spain, 17 degrees, get a little bit of a tan and then like get it ready. Yeah. That's what we want. <laughs> um, well, let's let's start off and, and talk through um, what we've been up to here this week. Trying to think now when we came, it's Saturday, weren't it? The first day. So, so we arrived at a Saturday uh, at the apartment pretty late in the afternoon and we did just an easy run. If we're doing an easy run, like we're not yeah. really looking checking at the, the area, weren't we? Seeing, seeing if there's any good cafes, what restaurants were around. Saw a McDonald's, so you were happy, weren't you? You know, I that, was. That, I was you, that ticked happy. the box. You thought, I'll, I'll be visiting that by the end of the training camp. Probably, yeah. We yeah. earned it. He's definitely going to be visiting McDonald's, I can guarantee you. You'll see, if you follow him on Instagram, you'll see a dirty burger come up at some point. We've already had a dirty burger yesterday. That was a good one, wasn't it? Oh my god, Tom got these burgers yesterday, and it was like a whole cow. I felt like I had. like I. I that yeah. was proper Angus beef from the butcher, and them them burgers were beasts, weren't they? They were beasts. I six hours of training, I did had that burger, had a bit of few potatoes with it, and a salad, and I couldn't eat anything else. I was literally stuffed. And normally, and that says something because normally he'll he'll go out to the kitchen like. But what six, about old techno? 
So we're out here with another guy, Scott Mark. We call him the de- Techno Viking. If you know, if you don't know who that is, we'll, we'll, sh- we'll, we'll post it up on Travel and Mockery. We'll post it up on Travel and We'll Mockery. post a, a picture up of his face and the one of Techno Viking. Techno Viking is basically, well, is a Viking, a guy with a beard. He's fucking ripping it up dancer. in Amsterdam on Techno. Very aggressive dancer. Like Tom showed it to me. He does look like him. He's absolutely stacked. <laughs> he's and he's fucking just ripped. pumping it in the streets. Like, <laughs> And the cool thing about it is um, our Mark, doesn't have anything to do with techno, but he's doing it with carps. <laughs> and he's actually, I just turned around just now to see where he is, because we we're recording this and techno's here, but he's sleeping, he's asleep on the sofa. He can't hear anything we're saying. So we can we can go to town on him right now and we know that we can get away with it. Like he's had a hard day driving. <laughs> he's had a really hard day. He's had a meal out in Malaga and now he's smashed. And he, he? he's had an even tougher night. We had a uh, little storm last night and it blew literally trees all over the place, I, I reckon. Something like that, wasn't it? We yeah. Had- yeah, we had a storm. Mark was up all night because he could hear it. He got hungry. We had the burger. We couldn't eat anything, but he had a bowl of cereal after the burger. And then he woke up again in four, at 4 a.m. because he said he was starving hungry and had something else. He likes, he's a fan of porridge with water, isn't he? I mean, is that normal? I've never heard anyone having porridge with water. I call it the peasant's no. porridge. Yeah, that's the like, peasant's porridge right there. I mean, it's either for people that that literally, they don't have I milk, said right? I said, basically, if I was running a prison... And I want, and I, they said to me, you know, Sam, the governor, and they said, right, Joe, uh, expending's getting a bit high here. We need to, we need to cut costs. Yeah. You'd say, all right, I'll give the pet, the, the prisoners peasants porridge. You know, they can have oats and they can have water with it, but milk's too expensive. We're yeah, not, I'd rather I skip it. I yeah, skip it. But Mark, Mark enjoys it. That's that's something he Literally, looks forward holiday. to. Holiday. He's on a holiday. He's having porridge with water. Anyway, uh, let's go back to the training. Saturday, <laughs> we did a little run. <laughs> Um, so every week, basically what you're doing is a bit of the same, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah, pretty similar. Yeah. So Sunday, uh, on Sunday we did a long ride and, um, Joe went into the little fridge for a swim, didn't you? Oh yeah. You, um, Tom bottled it. He thinks it's too cold. And then I went for a swim yesterday, the day before, I can't remember now, it all merges into one out here. Um, and there was a woman in there. I was like coming to the end and, uh, there's some women basking around in there with her like boobs out you know literally just no wet suit no, no neoprene suit. she's literally no aero like, skin she's got nothing suit. on her top half nothing on her top half like literally completely starkers like just floating around um cool. and yeah she had like um you know like swim pants on and uh i i i came out and uh, she was talking to us afterwards and uh we said to her about you our friend like because which i said she said what's it like with the wetsuit on i said oh it's all right you know we said, we said, our friend thinks it's too cold with a wetsuit on. She said, no, it's not too cold. Like she said, I swim in, I swim in two degree water back in Finland. This is warm compared to that. And we said, yeah, we've tried telling him. He, he can't even make five minutes in there yeah, with but a wetsuit from- on. She's from Finland and she's probably uh, she uh, relatives from the no, Iceman. She was enjoying it, mate. She was. She said she's enjoying it. She she said even in Finland the water's not too cold. You know, she's like. There's no excuse. I said, there's no excuses. I said, like, I can't believe he, he can't stick in, the, in it. Well, Joe, Joe, you know me uh, for a while She now. said 18 degrees Celsius, she thought the water was. <laughs> Shut up! 18, not, yeah, I think it is about 18, and he's, that, is too, that is too hot for him. Like, I mean, what what do you guys think? Is 18 degrees too cold to go in there with a wetsuit on? I think it's like, 18 okay. degrees yeah. is like, all right. Yeah, but the, it is all right. Like, honestly, it's, it's all right, mate. Like, you're just a wimp. I did 4K, nearly 4K in there, and I was fine when I got out. My skin, the mozzarella skin, was still shivering hours after that little nippy dip I, I thought Holland was too cold. 
It is pretty cold. That's so what? Now Spain's too cold. That's why I'm out du- here, man. But Dubai's too hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so basically, on a Sunday, we did a uh, long ride. And if we're doing a long ride, let's um, um, talk about, like, uh, we've got Tyler out here. He's doing a bit of the camera footage. And then we've got Mark, and he's taking care of the uh, the fan, or truck. And um, basically, we've got that one uh, filled up with nutrition. So um, uh, we had a couple of questions on nutrition, like what what do you do on long rides? Basically, not too fancy, is it? You just yeah. I think I, like if you wanted to make it a bit better, you could get some sandwiches. Like we made some sandwiches, didn't we? Before we came, just so real basic, get, yeah, yeah, sandwiches. just like ham and cheese, something a bit different. Um, and you can, I think if you're doing a long ride, if you can get someone to give you stuff like that, that's good. Or if you're stopping at a cafe, like sometimes when I'm back home. I'll stop at a cafe and have like a sandwich for lunch. Otherwise, like I find, especially mm-hmm. in the winter when you're just doing like steady miles, you end up going out at breakfast time or just after if you've done a session first. And then by the time you get back, it's so late in the day that you've just not had any normal lunch. And I think mm-hmm. like if you want the protein to help recover, you can't just have a shitload of protein once you finish the ride because you're just not going to necessarily absorb it all. And if you've been training five hours a day, you need to get, I think, a decent amount throughout the day in mm-hmm. not just like a massive amount in the evening but then nothing for like a five six hour period during the during the middle of the day so mm-hmm. i think it's good just to stop at the calf like especially when it's not you, you know you're not doing like necessarily really specific sessions if i was doing really specific sessions sometimes i just add some like protein into the drink like the mm-hmm. unflavored one so it's got like carbs in like energy drink but then it's like extra protein but you don't taste it so you, what you could do on a long ride is stop at a calf and get a pan con jamón yeah, just get yeah, get that. Uh, <laughs> uh, on top of that, I wouldn't necessarily. I I told this to Joe as well this week. Um, take a whole lot of gels on a winter ride. I mean, first of all, them things you, are really you expensive. The, you took the street waffles out with you. Yeah, didn't you? yeah, yeah. <laughs> just I I take some uh, sugary waffles. They're really cheap and they're high in carbs. And That's it's a just, Dutch thing as well, isn't and it? And it's really it's yeah, it's really nice. <laughs> it is really nice. They are nice. I tried a bit of his waffle and I was a bit jealous after he had that. I was like, that was a good idea. I didn't even see him in the supermarket, but. He was like a I ninja. Can smell it. Yeah, he was like a ninja the way he was going through the supermarket the other day, getting his stuff, and he got he got all the good stuff and didn't tell us where any of it was, so we missed out on. You those. ended up only buying the toilet paper and the dishwashing. Yeah, and you wouldn't give me any of your food, would you? No, I he said you can. Just, he said you just have to make the most of the the dishwash tablets. Yeah, that's the only reason how I can outbike him is Joe getting. You know, you're bunking. Yeah, I, you didn't bunk. I didn't. No, I, I was lucky. I was lucky. It's because I've got more fat on me, mate. True. uh anyway um so that's a a little like uh uh, during the ride just not not, we're not too focused on like uh, every 15 or 20 minute gets carbs in a bit like based on feel isn't it you just get like a waffle in yeah just keep taking it in regularly but yeah keep keep taking it in regularly i think that's the most important thing if you go out for a five hour bike um amateurs most of the time they go out for a three hour ride especially the ones that just getting into it they sometimes say like they're they're totally empty totally empty what did you do and then they had some sort of granola bar and if you look at it, it's got something like eight grams of and carbs or something like that. It's not going to do anything I for think you. One thing you can do as well is if like you're going out with your mate and he bonks, you just fuck off and leave him because it will serve him right. And he'll only learn the hard way. He there's, will. He there's will. no point in waiting with him because he'll never learn. He'll think it's okay. I can bonk and they're, they're all going to wait with me. That, trust me, it sounds harsh. People used to do that to me when I was 13. I used to go out and people, they used to leave me. Didn't have a phone with like satellite navigation or anything, any of these fancy garments. I literally had a cat eye bike computer that would only tell me my speed. And I used to have to, my dad used to give me some money to put it in the back pocket. Like sometimes I had to find a, a pay phone. I'd ring my home up and say, Dad, can you come and pick me up? 
He'd say, where are you? And I'd have to read the address in the payphone and say, I'm here. He'd have to try and think where that is. And then he would have to come out and pick me up on the Fucking bike. Hell, I, did you really do that? And then, are you there yeah. old? Did you need to look in some sort of thirteen. Book? I was 13, mate. Like, I was Fucking in a payphone that had the address in. I didn't know how to get back. I remember, and then he would, like, print me off some maps. <laughs> And on the computer, on the computer, like you know, from like them AA roadmaps that you used to get, yeah, you know, yeah, from yeah. like a petrol station, I used to have that. He laminated it. I put put it in my back pocket, and I used to have like a road a map, and that's what I used to have to use to try and find my way home sometimes. So, like, trust me, you just got to learn the hard way. If someone bonks, fucking do leave one. It. Just yeah. leave them. Like they'll learn. They they won't bonk next time if they're left in the middle of nowhere. Trust. I can tell you that. <laughs> all right i uh yeah i've learned this uh the hard way as well i know joe's leaving me either if i can't pick up the pace or if uh if i'm bunking anyway yeah that was uh, uh the sunday uh monday is always an easy day we did the little ride to marbs we had carbs and marbs we had a nice little route down there oh and we did well because we were going to ride back from our bayer but thank god we didn't because uh, yeah. it was like a motorway people were telling us it was a nice ride back it we were going to on Strava. The global heat maps has it as a popular route, so you'd look at that and think. Oh, I think this people is fine. use it as like a suicide route, yeah, because it, it's dodgy. It's, as if you're in England, it would literally be like riding down the M6, M25, any major A road or motorway. And I was like, thank God we didn't ride down here. Actually, it'd be worse because there was no hard shoulder yeah, on it. There was exactly. no hard shoulder, yeah, so you'd be totally screwed. So, luckily, we had the car with us. We did like a 50k route. Finished in Marbs, had like coffee, Carbs. some food. Yeah, the, we knew yeah. we almost brought a cheap Brightland and Rolex, didn't yeah, we? Because yeah, they were yeah. there. Amazing, honestly. Like you go to England or anywhere, Holland, cost you thousand for a Rolex. In my bay, you can get one for ten dollars or ten euros, can't you? Yeah, you know? that was like, quite really nice. Cheap. We compared it to yours, and them were actually better, weren't they? Because they were really light. <laughs> so if you want to run with it, yeah, they were better. It was like the bright. It was like a Brightland sports watch. It weighed like nothing. So yeah. uh, if you want to get like. Uh, if, if you want to get a cheap one, hit Marbella. The guys assured us they are real as well. They didn't, they? They said it's genuine. Mm -hmm, yeah. They did get a bit pissed off, though, when you were laughing at them and, like, uh, Tyler I wasn't laughing at them. I was just laughing. <laughs> <laughs> no, what, what, what was it? I was just laughing you at them. You laughed when he brought the Patek Philippe out and then you started I laughing said, at him. I said, a friend of mine has got a Patek Philippe. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have it, but oh, it was his... Uh, and he got, he got, he, I've never had the looky-looky man tell you to go like literally run off he didn't even normally they went they'll pester you till like and you have to just try and get them away this guy got i think all the offended. reason why he got offended was because i was all serious i said that was a nice watch that's a nice watch and then watches were actually pretty nice it was just you pissing your pants <laughs> you that made him think he thought that you were taking a piss you and I was that serious. He had some was, nice Tom was, Tom was making me laugh because he was keeping such a straight face and he was like questioning him about it and everything. And he was feeling the weight and stuff like that. And I couldn't help but laugh. And then Tyler started getting his camera out to film it. And uh, yeah, he just got, I think he got a bit offended in the end, which is a and, shame because now we might not sell us a, a cheap bright. And I did tell you that years and years and years ago well when i was 15 or 16 i bought a Brightlin and a rolex a fake one and they've lasted for years yeah i did tell you so i was keen on getting one you're into your fakes aren't you <laughs> <laughs> all right um anyway monday on oh, we did the good swim set as well I, that was my that best was a, uh, ever a, time oh yeah it was on monday course. as well so we went first of all we went to a pool and spain is really well known to have their um they're oh, really bilingual aren't they in, in, this in drove me mad like trying to get into this pool honestly i was losing the will to live like now even thinking back about it now i think i can't even believe i got in that pool because i was so close <laughs> to just thinking i can't be asked for this i'm just gonna bugger off home the ridiculous the ridiculous thing is you come to the pool there is a desk and normally you would go to the desk and you'd say two tickets please 
But this guy was like, um, besides the whole hassle of uh, we needed to get a mask at the other side of town, um, he said that we couldn't get the tickets at his office, but we had to go to all the way at the other side of the park, didn't we, to get tickets? It's like, a, yeah, like six or seven minute walk to get there. Then the machine wouldn't work and wouldn't take mm -hmm. payment. And we were there for about another 10, 15 minutes. Uh, bearing in mind, it was already a mission to park it at this place, wasn't it, as well? So uh -huh. you had to park it, walk there, then you'd do all this. Then in the end, he let us in for free because the machine wouldn't work. Um, I think the silver lining is um, you get to train your resilience, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, to be honest, afterwards, because we both hit like really good times, we were like absolutely buzzing, weren't we? So we were like, yeah, yeah, it that, was... I, I was, uh, yeah, I'd take that, all that hassle to hit them times. So um, that, now that we're doing uh, multiple sessions uh, a day, um, how do you recover in between? That is one. Like, I what think, do, I what think, do you think is, I think, of course, key is... What about um, the occasional beer? Because every time we've had a beer in the evening, the next day we felt really good. Yeah, but that has to do with hydration. Hydration is always, it's like one of the basics, isn't it? And it's got carbs in as well, like, so that's good. It's a win-win. Yeah. I told you, like, normal beer was a win-win. You were trying to get, tell me that you need that alcohol-free stuff. Ah, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, you were saying, like, you were saying if you get a good wheat beer that's alcohol-free the other day, you, that it was uh, really good and it's really nice and stuff like that. And I, said, get one. I said I would drink an alcohol-free beer you if I could like drink alcohol. Yeah, yeah. You I, said like him. Yeah, I would like them, but it doesn't say that I wouldn't like a beer with alcohol more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I like them, but I love them with alcohol. <laughs> yeah. That's the difference. Um, now, what with recovery, um, I think basically just get the main thing, I think, is like nutrition, a well-balanced diet, like getting in some like fruit, veg, not too much rubbish. You know, you've got to eat well, haven't you, when you're out there? Um sleep at least eight hours a night ideally more you'd like if you can get nine nine and a half that'd mm -hmm. be even better and depending on how you're training if you can get a bit of a kip in the day obviously that would help if you can't oh well it doesn't really matter but get a good night's sleep in in the evening and i think well. a power nap just 40 minutes a makes a world makes, of a difference that's the biggest thing i, oh, think, I that's, think so too i think that's the biggest thing to to helping you recover if you get a kip like literally in the day just even if it's just 40 minutes you wake up you feel a bit tired at first but then when you actually start training, if you've mm -hmm. had time to have a coffee or something, you're just absolutely flying, aren't you? You know, you absolutely. feel like it's the first session of the day. Uh, another thing um, is get, for example, when you've done when you've done your pool session, normally you wouldn't have something like eggs and all that or yogurt with you. You want to get some form of protein in. You could get like a protein bar or something like a shake or yeah. you go to the supermarket and get something after or to a cafe or something like that. So I think get something after a swim. A bit of carbs, a bit of protein, um, that and really helps you recovering from the next Making session. sure you eat enough on your easy days as well. Because yeah. like if you've been training hard leading into them, some people probably, I don't know if they do, but I would imagine they probably try and cut what they eat on an easy day because they think they're not doing too much. But actually, you still need to eat a lot because you've already depleted yourself in the other days where you've been training hard that you need to get the calories in and then <laughs> so you can recover for the next day. A great example Techno Viking. Techno Viking. He's been taking it easy for five days, but it's been stuffing he up loads. He did a five mile run, had it's to have three meals, didn't he? And, but then he's still knackered now and he's asleep <laughs> on the couch behind us. So who knows, like what, what, I mean, how much he would have needed to eat if he wasn't oh. going to blow up. Oh. I wouldn't be able to finance all that. If he was a taxi driver, he'd be eating loads because obviously <laughs> van driving takes it out of him. So oh. if he was a taxi driver, he'd be constantly calorie depleted. Oh. Um, <laughs> get a picture of them, what we can post on the triathlon mockery go on please we need a picture of this guys we're going to get a picture of this and post it up on the tri on the instagram page so you can see what we're dealing with here 
Come on, you're waking Santa up. Um, all right, next thing. Um, so that was Monday. In the evenings, basically, um, we um, just cook dinner. We don't go out for food much, do we? So, and if we cook dinner, what you want is to get a form of protein in, form of veg, form of carbs. So it isn't really rocket science. First day, we had something like rice with chicken and a salad. Second day, we had rice, chicken, and a salad because we didn't want to go to the supermarket. Yeah, we, were just, <laughs> we basically ran out of food and didn't get enough food when we went. So we read that and then we were like, right, we need to do something about that. But um, what did we do? Anyway, going back to the other day's training, what, what, um, what was the other day after that? Tuesday, so on that Tuesday, was- we did the hill reps. Uh, so Tuesday is a bike session with um, uh, efforts. We did. We wanted to do tempo effort, but well, tell you a little story of your uh, noob mapping on Strava. What's my What's my story then? Well, basically, what did Joe I tell said, you? "What did you expect? What were you well, expecting?" And what I was expecting the next thing. Joe said, "Oh, I found this amazing route. A thousand <laughs> people have ridden this climb. It's amazing. It's like perfectly for threshold effort or for tempo efforts, and uh, we can do it like twice, and maybe if we're keen, keen three times." Well, we got there. Um, it's going to make a lot of noise. Uh-huh. Um, basically, we got there um, and we rode up the climb. We we're ripping it up like steady. And then all of a sudden, it changed into like a dirt track. And at first, <laughs> I uh, because we rode next to each other, I looked at you and we just, we, we cracked on a little bit. And then we kept on. But it got worse and worse. And all of a sudden, it got like mega rocky. I was like, are you for real? Like, is this what you've been mapping out? So then we changed... Um, and Joe at this point was mega grumpy. Like he was like, I can't be asked for this. I can't be asked for this. Uh, so then uh, we basically changed the session, uh, went back down and basically the whole paved path was still like five minutes. So we decided to do like threshold efforts. So basically, yeah, we had to change it in the end. I was really pissed off. Like you said, I couldn't believe it. I was like absolutely livid. So uh, we basically just ended up doing five minute efforts, riding back down. And then we said, we'll aim to get about 30 minutes of uh, riding it around threshold pace. Um, so yeah, just rode up. Uh, yeah, to be honest, we started at about threshold and then um, they got a bit harder because you get a bit excited, don't you? So we ended up riding them harder than threshold towards the end, but both felt good. Didn't really push like we were putting ourselves in a box. Session was really good. And uh, then we did a run off the bike and uh, that was Tom's experience into uh, a, a run off the bike after a hard session. Exactly. Yeah, it was uh, actually my first run after bike, uh, like a proper one with a bit of um, faster case. Since and it was a far, I got back flat to- loop, wasn't it, as well? <laughs> yeah, it was flat. It was Joe Skipper flat. Um, and you almost tricked me into doing like two loops, but I'm not going to do like... Five, 5.6 Ks for one loop. So Tom, as he's training for sprint triathlons, just did one loop because... Uh, running 11 kilometers off the bike would just be slightly too much. No, I ended up doing seven and you did something like 15. About 13, mate. All right. Two laps, 11.2, kilometer walk, cool down, and a bit more for the warm up, so about 13. Well, the thing I thought is, um, Joe's plan is to smoke me on day four of training camp. Day four is today and I'm still here. Um, And I thought if I'm going to smoke myself on day two, then I couldn't step it up the second week. So the second week, which is next week, I can always overdo it, whereas I don't, <laughs> I don't want to overdo it in the first week. So that was basically uh, um, before lunchtime. Then we uh, um, changed and got to the pool. Yeah. Um, Another say. So Tuesday is like interval bike, tempo run off the bike, and a swim. And a run as well. Another one. 
And you did another run. Yeah, that's a bit too OTT for the, for the Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, Wednesday, that was a big day, wasn't it? That was yesterday. For you, yeah. Like an hour in the sea, solo, because Tom wouldn't come with me. He wanted to wait until there was a, a nice warm pool to swim in. Um, did a run in the morning. The run was actually pretty decent, actually. That was like trail a run. bit of a hill, didn't it? Yeah, trail runs. Found some trails around here. And then ended up taking the gravel bike out later in the day, just under four hours on what was probably mountain bike trails, not gravel bike trails. Like they were all right, but they were um, a bit brutal at some times with no suspension. Mm -hmm. What? Um, so in between, is there anything we're missing on telling people? Not really. Apart from, I think the highlight of the week, though, to be honest, was today. We did a yeah. So basically. Out. Uh, getting into today, um, yesterday evening, Joe said to me like, um, uh, "All right, tomorrow we'll uh, we'll do a long run, and we're in a bit of a trailish area." And I think off season is the perfect uh, time to not really be fucking around, but to have fun and like uh, train do hard. different stuff, do some different stuff. So I said, uh, first I was mapping a route, and I said to Joe, "What do you think of this beast?" So basically, it was a trail run. What was it like? Twenty five k. No, it's twenty k. He mapped a twenty k route out with a thousand meters of climbing. Um, he was like, "What do you think of this?" And I'm thinking, "Well, Helvellyn was fifteen kilometers with a thousand meters of uh, climbing. My back was fucked. I couldn't even get up the climb properly. I'm like, no way. Like, there's no way I'm doing that. That's loads." So he was like, "All right, all right." And then he was like messing around on there, and he came back with another one. And for a laugh, he said, what about this one? 42Ks with... Um, Finishing Malaga. <laughs> yeah. How far was it at first? Because you said there was a 42K one. Was it with like a thousand meters of climbing or was it less? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That a was thousand it. meters. And I said, well, to be honest, over 42K, that's not too bad. I said, I'd be up for doing something like that just for a laugh. So then um, he he was like, I said, we could even finish in Malaga and then stop and uh, get a like have a look around and get a coffee and stuff afterwards. And then uh, Tom obviously... Thought, oh, this sounds like a good idea. We could mix up a bit of trails in the, like do some trails in the hills and then run into Malaga where it'll be gradually downhill uh, and on some roads to, fin to finish it off, run along the coast as well at the end. So we mapped out a route, 37 kilometers, had a bit of everything. Like it started off hard uphill with some trails. Um, the scenery was incredible though. And like after the first 2K, it wasn't too steep, was it? It was like runnable, wasn't it? The first 2K was like 30 percent. Yeah, it was like brutal. Um, for instance, like the first 600 meters of the run took me five minutes. Um, but then the gradual downhill was great. You could run down it. It wasn't too steep that you couldn't run. It was perfect. So we were running down like sub four minute Ks, four minute K pace. Uh, and you're able to chat, not even like worried. Didn't have to watch out for rocks. And then um, basically just a gradual downhill after that to, to Malaga, really, wasn't it? The only downside was the massive headwind for the last like 12K. Yeah, that was pretty grim. And uh, uh, my GPS start, stopped working at some point. And I thought I was on because it said like you're following that line, aren't you? So I was running and I was running and I was running. And I was checking the uh, how many Ks to go. It said 8.8Ks. So then I got like following the line, following the line, running straight. I was like, oh, let's check again. And it said 8.8Ks again. I was like, fuck that thing ain't working so i ended up doing like one and a half k 2k extra and then turned around got into a headwind got mega grumpy and then towards the end i had that like iron man feel what you get towards the iron man that you feel yeah, like yeah i oh. had the iron man feel as well i don't it normally is. run that long like my longest runs normally back home are 23k so i was thinking no i don't know how this is going to be for the last 10k 
but it did feel similar to an Ironman, it does. Like, especially into that headwind. But like the only difference is, uh, I, I don't know what's going to be like tomorrow. Is uh, as soon as we stopped, we were in time for the cafe. We still oh, had yeah. ten minutes. So that was the other part of this as well. The idea of running to Malaga was to get a decent coffee because the coffee out here is shocking. Like it's terrible. It's oh, like that... dishwater, dish uh, sewer washer water. Yeah, or sewer water. It's a cross between the two, to be honest. Um, it doesn't resemble coffee. So we knew there was two cafes that we'd seen in Malaga that looked really good. And uh, one of them shut at 4, 4 p.m. So we, we were on a bit of a tight time schedule because we wanted to start the run at 12 o'clock. This cafe also does really nice food as well, looking at the pictures on Google. It was good. And the funny thing was, we came in, we said, can we have two coffees? And he was like, all right, well, uh, quick one then. And he said, do you also do some food? He said, no. Nah. Just, kitchen uh, shot. He said something kitchen, kitchen is shot. shot. You could just have uh, what, what I've got here. So I had a banana cake. You had something like uh, some other sweet thing. Yeah. We sat down and then I, we told him uh, something like... I said I, we, I said we run here from uh, Fungarola. Yeah. And, and he it was said, like, really? Yeah. And then I said, yeah, through the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> was, we didn't tell him that we got driven halfway up to where the trail starts, though, did we? Yeah, but still, still yeah. through the mountains. It was isn't through it? the mountains, yeah. Yeah, it was through the mountains. Fucking hell! And, and then, then he was like, "All right, I could make you like an acai bowl." No, and then I saw the acai bowl on there, didn't I? And he must have felt bad, didn't he? Because I said, "Oh, can we get the acai bowl?" And he was like, "I could do you that, didn't he?" It was, it was, and then, and then he did us it, and with the like. Uh, the uh, coffee and the cakes. The coffee was great. And we did get there with 10 minutes to spare. We got there at 3.50 p.m. So yeah. it was literally uh, just in time. And I think these are the days that you get like an awesome memory because you did a great run, uh, had some fun. And on top of that, you got a really, really good training session. I think that was the best long run I've ever done in my life. Like for a bit of everything, like had like, like Joe has seen it all. Has been around for years. He's been out here for a week with, with the mozzarella. He's got his, had his best <laughs> swim in the long course pole and his best long run ever. Imagine what I could do if I was out if I was training with you long term. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine. Uh, anyway, well, after that, I think we got to the most important part of the day: recovery. Recovery, yeah. We went for a bit of tapas, wine, a beer. <laughs> we did, <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's recovering like a pro. Also, I actually, on, on that note, I actually had a message from uh, a guy who's a pro out here, Stephen Bayless, who, met, who messaged me. So uh, I don't know if many of you guys will know him, but he used to be like the top British pro. And when I was like getting into triathlon, he was like the top dog. He'd podiumed in loads of races, won Ironman UK and numerous other Ironmans many times. And it brought me back to my first memory of when I did my first long course race. And it was back in 2012 at Challenge Barcelona. And uh, I actually ended up doing the race because I forgot my bloody passport. I was meant to be doing a, um, a 70.3 at the end of the year. Classic Joe, forgets his drone. It's, it's, there's always something. Oh, mate, when I forgot my drone the other day, I had a heart attack. Like, I felt so bad. Um, but, yeah, I forgot my passport, missed the race. It's a long story, but I missed the race anyway, the half. The only other race that was on that year was the Ironman in Barcelona. I hadn't even trained for it. I thought, I've got no choice. I've trained really hard. The guy that was coaching me at the time, Paul Savage, was really pissed off. He he didn't even want to talk to me that I fat really? missed that last race. Yeah, he was angry. He, and he's a really quiet guy as well. But he was like, he obviously thought you're a waste of space. Um, so it, he was really angry. So I ended up going to Barcelona and doing it. He never got angry with me, but you could tell he was angry. He was just pissed. He was like, pissed. He was pissed. He fucked up again. Yeah, yeah, basically like that. Like, what a waste of space. That's what he thought about me. Um and then I ended up doing Challenge Barcelona and I remember Stephen Bayless being on the list and I had an average swim, 
caught Stephen on the bike and I was like absolutely loving it because I managed to get into the lead group and then we got off the bike and there was one guy up the road and then there was about five or six of us that were all running together. There was actually your countryman, Bas Diederen. Yeah, yeah, you told, he you told about this in yeah, the first he went on to, podcast. He went on to win that race, but I was running with Stephen Bayliss. I had a mohawk as well because I thought I'm going to just do a funny haircut for the first race just for a laugh. It was it was funny and it did get a lot of support from the crowd because they obviously thought you look crazy. Did you had a pink mohawk? No, I didn't have a pink oh, mohawk at that time. That was New Zealand later. But I but I did it and I remember running next to Steve and I was like, oh, I can't remember I was talking to him and uh, he was like, what's your marathon PB? You know, because he's probably trying to work out in his head, all right, how quick a runner is he? Like, what do I need to do? And I was like, well, I've never done one before. Like, I hadn't done one in training. I think the longest I'd run was about 14, 15 miles. No, probably about 15, 16 miles in training, something like that. It's a decent run. Um, but Stephen ended up having a, having a bad race. He ended up, like, pulling out. But he was standing on the side of the road, I remember, and he was, like, cheering me on the whole the rest of the day. And I thought, what, what, what a legend, you know? Like, had a bad race. But and he with the results that he'd had, you know, he'd been numerous times winning Ironmans and stuff. But instead of going home and not doing any, you know, or like being upset, he was out there cheering me on. Never seen me before, and um, yeah, I just thought I just really remember that. And he actually messaged me, so I'm going to meet up with him on Monday for a swim session. And what a uh, cute story. Yeah, honestly, but that's uh, that just goes to show you know what what you know the quality of the guy really doing something like that because. When you have a bad race, you all know what it's like. The last thing you want to do is stand out on the course cheering people on, don't you? And uh, he was out there cheering me on. And I actually got into first place at one point on there, but blew up, ended up finishing fifth. Still at probably my best ever result at that time. Um, but yeah. So basically, was... you're going to meet up and uh, get some memories. Probably going to get my ass kicked in the pool by him because really? he was a front pack swimmer. Yeah. But even now that he's like retiring and all that. He'll probably still kick my ass. But what I'd be interested in, because he seemed, he swam with me before years ago, and I'd be interested to see how he thinks I'm swimming now compared to before, because I think I'm swimming quite a bit quicker. But it'd be interesting to see what he thinks, having not actually seen me swim for five or six years. And you could you could take chunks out of him, Tom. Think so, like he used to be a front pack swimmer, but you could you could you could take him down and be like, yeah, I, I, I fed it to a front pack swimmer. <laughs> he might be retired, but screw it. I still you I'll, still uh... made him hurt in the water. I'll uh, I'll stick to uh, swimming with uh, getting my ass kicked by kids. I was almost up. tempted in Switzerland. I'm in Switzerland. I was in the front pack of that race and I was getting all excited. You know, we, I was talking to you about it the other day and I was like, as we were coming out the water, I was thinking, do I sprint around everyone here? I'm going to pay for it later in the Ironman, but do I just go on a f- fucking suicide mission, sprint around them all just to say... I've led out of the swim in an Ironman because it's probably never going to happen again. And I could just say on my, on my Palmares first out the water. Yeah. Like it's never going to happen. Like I should have done it. You I could message like wetsuit sponsors and all that. Yeah. Like, no, first, first, out out of, the, first out the water in an Ironman. Exactly. So. They call me the Aquaman and stuff like that. Yeah. It's never going to happen again. <laughs> first out, never going to happen again. <laughs> done it once. Um, I'll retire. Have you, um, before we get to the end, because there's two more things that I want to talk about. First is, let's talk about that pool swim we did this morning before the uh, almost oh, marathon for the mountains. Oh, my God. Tom sorted out this swim today in this pool. Let's that not would have say been really Tom handy. sorted out. You were the one no. that was contacting him, and he took me there. I wanted to do a decent swim set, and I it was horrendous. You could have like, gone everywhere. You could have gone everywhere. Just this just pool's set. two minutes away. It sounded like a good idea. It was meant to be all posh uh they they it's meant to be a sports hotel as well and the pool was absolutely roasting 
It, like, I think you were like taking chunk, taking revenge on me because I took you into the pool where into the sea where you thought it was cold. So you took oh, me to a this pool was like a spa temperature. Like. Mine good. It will make a hot tub look like a freezer, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it must have been. If I'm guessing in degrees Celsius, I would say this pool was about 33 Celsius. I think more than that. More like than literally, that. we were only doing drills after and and doing drills and I was overheating. Oh. My heart felt like it was going to explode. Honestly, <laughs> I felt sick. I had to get out of the pool yeah. and sit on the chair just from doing drills. I mean, like. When does that ever happen? I managed 1K and it was a yard pool in the end. It wasn't 25 meters, we found out, because we were doing drill swim and we did it in like 115. And we're yeah. like, yeah, we're, we're, even, we did have fins, but we weren't swimming 115 pace. Oh, yeah. Well, if that, maybe, if that... maybe we were after that long course session. Maybe it's given us a boost. Who knows? That's true. Um, Steve, watch out. Another uh, <laughs> um, short thing I want to talk to you about is um, actually, and we'll, we're going to put a poll up or something on the mockery page is uh saunas we have got a sauna here in the complex in oh the let compound. me say this about this then so yeah we've got this sauna here and we were going to go in it the other day after that well we did go in it the other day after the after going for a swim in the uh the sea and um tom i i, I said to tom are you going to go up there and get your swim trunks because techno went up there to go and get his swim trunks and tom goes no i'm going to go in at bollocks naked and i was like what like thinking oh he's joking around he, he took all his clothes off. He was absolutely starkers. He did put a little towel around him, and um, and then he went in. And I, but I, I just remember seeing him all naked, and he was saying he was going in. And I was like, Nah, surely not. Surely not. Like you wouldn't go in there naked, would you? And then Tom thought that I was like weird for wanting to go in there in my swim and shorts. Techno came with a, a, damn a hoodie, hoodie up, <laughs> and swim pants. Yeah, wearing a hoodie in the sauna is definitely that's not that's normal. Weird. That's, that's weird. weird. That's all right. So the thing is. Is wearing swim shorts in the sauna weird? I think yeah. it's weird as fuck. He thinks well, it's weird, whereas I first thought of it was all, weird going in there stalkers. I think it is pure freedom to go there, like with the lala and all that. But of course, you'll have a you'll have a towel around it and all that because it's like um, hygiene. You need to be a bit hygienic, don't well, in you? In case someone doesn't wipe their ass or something, they're sitting. I in don't the know what the hell is going on. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I just and you guys were what? I've never seen this before. I've never heard of it. Yeah, and if I did that at the like, at the gym where I go swimming, and I just went in there like stark naked, they'd kick me out. I'd get banned from it. I think it's weird. But, I, if you if you put your um, your swim pants on uh, in a sauna in the Netherlands or in Sweden. Uh, where they all go to the sauna, they'll probably say, oh, I think he's a bit like he's lacking confidence. Well, I had, I had heard people say it was a European thing to do, to go in there naked, but I've never experienced it. Like, I opened my eyes, like and I've never experienced it before. I think if you look into the encyclopedia to the word experience, an experience is going to the sauna butt naked. <laughs> that is a true so experience. So what does everyone think? Please comment on this poll. What is it? No, uh, is it more normal to go in naked? Naked meaning with a towel, like a oh, towel. with a towel. Yeah, I yeah, can yeah. understand that. Yeah, there are not people thinking of, like walking yeah, around. Like, well, I just imagine weirdo. it to be like proper start naked, like normal. Um, so with a towel, but not with sweatpants or a uh, um, uh, swim pants <laughs> or a, or do you get your hoodie, swim pants, whatever thong, whatever you like to go into a sauna for? That is the question we have. Yeah, that's what we want to know. And uh, what do you reckon? Is that basically it then for this one? Or yeah, basically more? we just had to, um, yeah, we just wanted to give you guys an insight in our training camp and we'll be back on Monday can, with a regular can podcast. You, can you put a fancy outro music on? Um, definitely. Here we go. See you later, guys.